tools uh, and and to set the stage. Not that we can't. I mean, because we're going to read through and we're going to see several other things in here. But the overall uh, gist of what's being said here by David was, uh, you know, it's a prayer of confidence that the Lord was going to sustain him and uh, the Lord was going to save him and, and vindicate him. Uh, and so we'll we'll get into it here, but uh, uh, just having having those things to sometimes set set a um, a stage for us where we understand okay what what was happening when this was written you know what what's being said here what's the overall theme and message of, uh, that we're about to uh, dive into so Psalm seventeen verse one David says hear a just cause O Lord attend to my cry give ear to my prayer which is not from deceitful lips. You know, when, when he starts off, hear a just cause, O Lord. You know, there's uh, people petition God for many things. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but before uh, truly walking with the Lord, I'd call out to God for the dumbest of things. <laughs> you know, I remember just praying for, <clears throat> for things I, to a God that I didn't understand. You know, there's, uh, I didn't understand him. I didn't understand his word, but I was told to pray to him. And, uh, I, you know, I had a belief in him and, uh, uh, the, the belief I had was, uh, in the, the God of creation, but he wasn't my Lord. You know, I, he, I would call out to him because I didn't know what else to do, which, you know, is the Lord, I think, stirring our hearts, but, I didn't have any understanding of the scripture. I didn't understand my stance as a sinner that I, that I, it was destined for hell. And I, uh, you know, my, my parents, I, uh, and, and I learned the basics of that in a Catholic church growing up. Um, but that was about it, um, uh, from the church and my parents, um, would, would, and, you know, just talked and just in conversation. I don't know if it was something I'd walk up to them and ask them, or what? But you know, when we're in church and, and we see a depiction of of uh, Jesus on the cross and those things, and you know that uh, I I would see that, and I remember just talking, and and you know, my parents tell me, well, that's that's uh, a representation of Jesus dying on the cross for the things that I did wrong. So I had that basic understanding that Jesus died uh, for those sins, but not that I needed to forsake that sin and to repent from it. And until I got into the word. So, you know, we can pray to God for, for, you know, you'll, you'll hear, you know, uh, the, the biggest of heathens say, you know, uh, that they, that there's a prayer being lifted up or, or whatever. And, and just, I don't, and I, I, not that, not that I'm trying to judge them, but I don't, I don't usually find comfort in that. Just in somebody telling me who's not submitted their life to the Lordship of Christ, telling me they're praying for me. And I'm going, well, that's good, but you ought to pray for yourself right now. <laughs> you know, we need to have a conversation. Uh, it's, it's a nice thing to say, but, but where, where he's saying here is here, here a just cause, O Lord, you know, that um, you know, we oftentimes will go to the Lord with our selfish ambition and asking, you know, and hoping um, you know, before Christ, that that He's going to uh, to grant us whatever it was. You know, rubbing that lamp, that the genie would come out, and that you'd get whatever it was we wanted, right? And uh, you know, I've I, I've often watched, you know, you watch on a football game that people are, you know, praying and this and that, that somebody will catch a ball and and score a touchdown or or whatever. And I I like sports. Uh, I did three different sports: uh, football, uh, wrestling, and baseball. Um, I, I liked sports and things, but but for us to petition the God of Heaven that somebody's going to make a catch for a first down, <laughs> you know, there, those, those are those are things that I'm going. What's that? It's a serious game, right? We might be calling out if somebody has, you know, sinfully bet their house and their mortgage, you know, the house on it or something. There's probably some prayers like, "Oh Lord, you know, cover that." But you know, so. Where he's saying, hear a just cause, O Lord. This that this just cause, and I'm coming to you with with something real and legit. David knew that his heart was in the right place in this situation, so he's calling out to God. And as he does, uh, it's it just realizing uh, from him, it's another cry to God uh, in a time of crisis, which is common in the Psalms. Uh, we've here we are in verse uh, in chapter 17, and 
oftentimes it's David crying out, and it speaks of David's constant battles that he was in. Now, we can look at that and go, man, get over it. 150 songs of this or that, and you know, then there's you know some beautiful psalms of God's uh, God's salvation and those things. But you know, just say, is this all the guy's got to write about the battles that guy was in? The, the things that he's going through, that he's pouring his heart out with his pen, writing these things, and God's inspiring him to write it, for us to not understand that we are constantly in battle, constantly in battle. If we're not, then we're totally deceived. Every single day is a battle against our flesh. Every day we need to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, that we have to take captive the thoughts that we have into the obedience of Christ. That's that every single day we have to remind ourselves, not my will be done, but his will be done. And so every day we're in that battle. We may have people against us. Those people, uh, you know, may have a right or wrong reason to be against us. If they have a right reason, then we, Matthew 18, we go and settle the score with them and, and talk with them and say, hey, we've got this going on. I'm sorry that I wronged you. Or, or if, if there's no grounds for what's going on, you know, maybe still try to reconcile if, if possible. Hey, I heard you said this about me. That's not true. I wish you'd stop saying that and let's talk about it. Let's, let's get to what the heart of the matter is so that we can live peaceably. You know, the scripture tells us live peaceably with all men as much as we can, as much as up to us. You know, that, that we would do those things. But uh, there are, are times where we it's just an all-out attack on our uh, character or, or whatever it is, things that are just not not true. There's the, um, there's the fight within us and the desire within us to defend ourselves. But David, in this, is, is showing us a pattern that we can just go to the Lord and let him fight the battle for us, let him win it for us. But uh, David is crying out, and he dealt with, more um, a physical threat than uh, the common person. You know, we talked about that last week in his position where he was at. You know, sometimes being able to trust somebody day to day was tough. You know, you don't know because there's always somebody striving for greatness. Somebody who, you know what, they're not doing the job well enough. I can do the job better. I'm going to take over. Move this guy out of the way and, uh, and I'm going to come over and do a better job. There's no pride in that, right? Um, <laughs> just so, you know, so, so David's, uh, you know, uh, used to dealing with attacks from outside the kingdom, within the kingdom, within himself, and he's constantly writing about the battles that he's dealing with, and you know, <clears throat> some above him would be you know, Saul, some below him would be uh, some, and we've talked about this before, like Absalom, his son. Um, there were other people that betrayed and uh, people that he thought he could trust and couldn't. So David's constantly writing these these psalms. So it's a, another cry out to the Lord in a time of crisis, and that's a good habit to be in. Uh, if we're in our lives going from crisis to crisis to crisis, there might be something. Now, realize this is spread out in his life. We should not be dealing with crisis after crisis after crisis. If we are, maybe uh, we're <laughs> maybe we're a therapist or something. You know, we're helping others through them. But if we don't have a break in those things. Who are we surrounding ourselves with or what might we be doing wrong that I'm constantly in a crisis? Constantly. That, that every day seems like everything's just about to fly apart. You know, consider, step back and say, what, what am I doing or who am I associating myself that I'm constantly in this spot? Uh, those everyday battles are going to come, but that crisis, these big things like, wow. You know, these should be few and far between, hopefully, in our lives. Uh, for some, they, they're, depending on, you know, circumstances in life, they might be more common. But, uh, you know, day to day, our life shouldn't be a crisis. We should have peace in our lives. You know, as the scripture says, like I just said, live peaceably with all men. You know, as much as we, we have control over it, is what the scripture's saying. That hey oh you know what this doesn't need to blow up let's 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 take this at the at the lowest point we can so that it doesn't continue to escalate so those those uh, times of crisis that come to our 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 lives now uh, he's asking the Lord to attend to his cry we're still in verse one I realize that but we're still in verse one and you know any loving father or or mother is going to attend to the cries of their child you know we. As parents, you come to know and recognize um, 
your own child's cries. Um, you know, we, we sometimes, you know, you know, the whining cry. Okay. Wait. Okay. That's they're just whining. They're just spinning around on the floor, crying, whining because they're overtired. And I told them, no, they can't have this or that. Uh, so they're just, that's, they're just whining, you know, or, you know, they're tired, you know, they're being spoiled. You can, you can pick these things out. You can tell when someone's frustrated, there's that frustration cry, um, separate from those injuries that shriek right that i i remember will being up here and he was explaining i don't know if it was up here if it was a men's thing but he was saying what can be communicated when you just use the word dude you can have conversations dude like you're trying to get someone in and you can use different emphases on emphasis on the word dude you know or uh you choose your word man girl you know, you got those different, th right? Even just that, it's just how the word is projected. Uh, you could, so they're, they're, us as humans are, we're in our minds. We've constantly, every day we're, 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 we're being, that information is processing through us and we store it and it quickly comes to like, wow, that just happened. That's what this means. And the, the, the cries of an injured child, wait a minute, something's wrong. That's when we bolt. You know, or I'm scared. There's something, something scaring me. That's when, as a parent, you're gonna bolt, and I'm I, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move everything out of my way. You know, there's, there's that. There's no obstacle that's too high or too thick or whatever. I'm getting to my child. My, my kid is hurt. I remember we were up in, um, we were up at a playoff soccer game, and Maddie was, uh, it was her first year starting. Uh, she was a sophomore. Um, and uh, she played uh, in soccer. It's, it's a sweeper. It's the last defender. And um, that sweeper is is usually um, dealing with uh, when ev when everybody's got past those, uh, you know, that all the the defenders in front of them. That sweeper is responsible for the the, the stopping. And we were playing against uh, Holton High School, and I might have said Presque Isle. I meant Holton. Um, we were playing against Holt, against Holton and the young lady that was soccer player of the year, um, <laughs> I had, had gotten around everybody and Maddie squared up against her and she kicked that ball so hard and it hit Maddie square in the forehead. Everybody stopped. Now, this doesn't happen a lot on a, on a varsity soccer field, especially in a playoff game. Maddie's head went back so hard and her hair did so also. And, uh, and she's standing there. It's a little wobbly. Everybody stopped in a varsity game where, where, you know, the, in the playoffs, the next game is on the line. Nobody stops playing until the whistle. Everybody stopped. And they're all like, <laughs> just looking. And, uh, Maddie, Maddie just kind of stands there, gets a little wobbly and, and puts her knee down. And as soon as that happens, Jen's sitting right next to me, whoo, Jen's popping up and that little thing. Is I'm, I'm trying to restrain her, you know, and I got her and I'm like, she's okay. And Jen's like, she's hurt. The, Jen, there's nothing we can do for her. They have trainers. They have everything. And Maddie went down to a knee and then shortly, and everybody's telling her to go down on a knee because she's just, it's kind of wobbly. Uh, and then she steps off the field and, and, uh, but oh my goodness, to pull Jen back when she saw her daughter hurt. Um, I, I was worried about my sister, but uh, my, my, my daughter, but my, my wife, oh my goodness, that, that heart of a mother, you know, that little thing, it, it, she's strong. <laughs> and, and, and she realized she didn't fight me or anything, but I, whoa, whoa, calm down, just sit. She's okay. She did have a concussion. We found out after that she went back in. She came out for like a minute, and then they you know, she got right back in the game. And afterward, you know, I have a headache. And we're like, here we go. And uh, yeah, that was their last game. They lost that game. But she missed all of her, her uh, basketball season. And, and uh, it took a while. But when my wife saw my daughter hurt, <laughs> just understand that's that's in us. It's, it's in us, whether it's our daughter, whether it's our son, whether it's a loved one, whether it's somebody else's kid. You hear a shriek, somebody needs help. There was just a young man, uh, 14 years old, I think. Uh, I think it might have been yesterday. I don't know when it was, but I, I read uh, brief. Uh, I just uh, briefly went over the article. He died. He he fell through the ice trying to save two other people. Uh, they they survived and he died. You know that that within us, when we know somebody's somebody's in peril, that they're hurt, and that cry, I've got to go. 
you know, how much more does the Lord do that when we cry out to him? We may think that our cry means nothing and that he's not responding. He is. He is. It's when, when his children cry out to him, we can rest knowing that he hears us and that he's, 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 he's working all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We can rest in him. You know, but our circumstances in our heart will always tell, does God really know? Does he care? Yes, he does. You know, that cry might be little. It might be small. And that, that overwhelmed heart. It might be, you know, the stress that I'm under. The, the, the pain that I'm going through, the loneliness, the whatever it is that we cry out to the Father, he does hear our cries. So David saying, attend to my cry, give ear to my, my prayer, which is uh, not from deceitful lips. You know, not, not from deceitful. You know, when, when we, we cry out, God does give ear. He hears us. He knows us. And when, when he, when he starts talking about the deceitful lips, you know, he's speaking, um, you know, of, of his, you know, speaking of his prayer and situation, David knew that he hadn't deceived anybody and, and, uh, that this all wasn't a result of his current situation. You know, but he says here, you know, you know this prayer uh, that I'm offering to you, that I haven't done anything deceitful with my lips to bring on this situation that I'm in. Many believe that he's writing this of, of when Saul was chasing after his life. And, uh, you know, David had his faults. We understand that. We can look at David's life and understand that he, he did act deceitfully at times. You know, most likely, uh, you know, that what's popping in all of our hearts and in our minds is Uriah, the Hittite, you know, that, that uh, a man that was so loyal to David and uh, David deceived him. David had, had had an adulterous affair with his wife and impregnated his wife. And to cover it up, David brings him home, tries to trick him, you know, hey, you know, give me a count on the battle. Cool. Everything's great. Why don't you go home? Be with your wife and relax. And your eyes like, nope, I can't do that. Everybody else is on the battlefield. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going, you know, and, and David tries to get him drunk. You know, and, and he still doesn't go. Finally, David gives up, signs his death warrant, seals it up. And being the faithful servant that Uriah was, he took it to the commander and said, you know, here it is. Opens it up, put Uriah in the front, push hard, and then leave him there. And then that's what they did. So that's how David had Uriah murdered. He deceived him. You know, he sinned against Uriah. So David in his life had times of deceit. And uh, but he knew that this this instance, this situation, you know, that that it wasn't from from him. But ultimately, uh, we understand that David's heart was so set on the Lord that the Lord said that he's a man after his own heart. David sinned greatly in his life. Uh, but but the Lord in his grace and mercy covered that. It's important to understand that what comes from our lips uh, is uh uh, is of importance in our life. I said important, and I didn't mean to say important twice, but it is important for us to understand these things. You know, we've talked about it before, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 says, uh, um, I, I deleted a, a one here, so I have a space that just threw me off. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 said, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness which speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. You notice that in verse 19, a false witness who speaks lies. Proverbs 16.24 says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. There's the, the, the differences there. Those seven things the Lord hates, lies. He hates that. You know, a false witness who speaks lies. On the opposite, when we can consider from Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Pleasant words. don't know about you, but any time I've ever had something unpleasant said about me, Ruins your day, doesn't it? Somebody says something hurtful to us. You know, there's the old adage, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Tr 
true, funny thing to say, you know, it's a strong thing to say. I tend to uh, to stew on what is said to me. <laughs> I tend to stew on that a little bit and just chew on it and I, more than I should, you know, and uh, it, it'll bother me. It'll, it'll ruin that day. It's important to understand what we say is 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 uh, we need to be careful about how the the words that we use and you know he's he's saying not from deceitful lips understanding that God hates lying you know and uh, that that lying shouldn't be a part of a Christian's life um, what we should be saying what we should what we should be doing are pleasant words words that are going to bless others and that are going to be sweet to the soul and bring health to bones you know because the opposite of that what does stress do it takes moments off our lives, doesn't it? Blood pressure goes up, stress goes up, and ah, you know everything. And it, the 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 internal. Uh, I've heard people say from the medical community the internal uh, um, uh, mess that comes, and uh, from somebody who has dealt with stress and strife and anxieties in their life, how how bad that is for our our physical being. And uh, just how much that how uh, that that has uh, negatively that 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 negative intake uh, negatively affects us, and to understand that you know what, why don't we be those that have pleasant words that as people hear them they're sweet, and it's like a honeycomb, you know something. I just I I, I love. Honey, you know, if I'm ever eating, you know, if Jen's ever taking some, you know, uh, dino nuggets, popular amongst our kids. I got dino nuggets and and even even the tater tots. I'm putting them both in my honey. You know, I, I love honey. You know, it's sweet. You know, and, and uh, uh, just to know that it that that pure that pure honey and, and how good it is. You know, it, health to our bones rather than hurting everything inside because you guys know ever ever been to the stress to the point where you realize wait a minute i'm literally so tense right now <sighs> you know that taking a deep breath giving it to the lord and i just you know that we would be ones that are blessing that when people you know what i like being around that person they're always speaking life to me they're always speaking loving words to me that we would be known for that <laughs> first two <laughs> I spent a lot of time on verse 1, but that's okay. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things uh, on the things that are upright. We know of times in David's life that he had the opportunity to rid himself of Saul if he wanted to. And I know we, we briefly talked about it before, but while it, I, you know, Saul got word that David was in the wilderness of En Gedi. And uh, let's go get him. Let's go get David. So rah, they grab everything and they're out trying to find David. David's hidden in a cave. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> he's hiding there. And Saul went in to tend to his needs. And some say he's using the bathroom. Some say he's taking a nap, whatever it was. Saul's in there. And uh, David has the opportunity to sneak up and to cut the corner of his robe off. And as uh, as Saul uh, was leaving, um, back up just a little bit. As David and his men knew that Saul are in there, they're egging him on. This is the day, you know. He's he's brought them to you. You know, God's delivered him. Uh, let's take him out right now. All this can be done. We can all go home. And uh, so David goes and does this. And as Saul leaves, David's heart is convicted. He has done th something that 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 he shouldn't do in destroying something that belonged to the king. And he cuts that 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 thing, out, and it bugged him so much that he had to go out when Saul was far enough away, and cry out to Saul. You know they, it, it's you know he snuck up, he did that, and then he calls out to him, and you know he tells Saul, and he's showing him, I could have killed you, this could have all been done, and Saul realizes, why did I, you know that everybody's been telling, and, and David's David's basically saying, why are you listening to all these people that are telling you? That that I'm and and listening to his own heart that he would just get spun up in and of himself that that David David is 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 after me he's going to kill me and everything and David confronts him and asks him you know why he doesn't trust him what what he's done that that he wouldn't trust him you know David would go out at Saul's word and and fight battles and come back 
you know, and Saul didn't like the fact that people were singing praises of of David, singing of 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 David's victories. You know, Saul's killed his thousands. David is ten thousands. Saul gets mad. You know, gets gets to that point where you know, he doesn't want to contend. He wants glory for himself. So what does he want to do? He wants to kill David. David has the opportunity to kill him, and he doesn't. And uh, David cites the the following from First Samuel twenty four verses twelve through fifteen. And as, there, as David is addressing Saul, he says, let the Lord, now we're talking about, let my vindication come from your presence, that Lord, that you would show my innocence. Uh, he says, let the Lord judge between me, uh, you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? David's like, why are you after me? I'm like a dead dog or a little flea. Why, why did you choose me to come after me? You know, that tells you about the humility in his heart. Verse 15 says, therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So David's saying that God will vindicate him, and that vindication is to justify or clear from accusation. So David's like, you know what? God's going to take care of all this. I had the opportunity to do this. I shouldn't have even done that. But between you and me, God is going to be the judge. God's going to be the one that vindicates me. So when he writes in, in verse 2, let my vindication come from your presence, that he didn't say, you know what, let's go and I'm going to present my case and everything. He's like, I don't know why you're listening to everybody else, but but God is going to be the one that's going to be the judge between you and me. God is going to speak on my behalf. He is going to deliver me from your hand. You know, uh, David knew that that his righteousness uh, was seen in, in, in the Lord's eyes, that God knew that he hadn't done anything wrong. So he could he could stand there and say, you know what, I haven't done, done you any wrong, Saul. But he understood that his vindication, again, vindicate uh, means to justify or clear from accusation. That accusation of David, uh, uh, excuse me, of Saul was, he's after me. Let's go. I'm going to kill him first. He wants my throne. He wants all these things. The Lord had given the throne to David. David didn't seek it for himself. Samuel came to David and told him what was going to happen. And David, as a willing servant of the Lord, uh, allowed it to happen because he knew it was the will of the Lord. Saul didn't think so. So, Verse 3, you have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that in my mouth, uh, that my mouth shall, uh, shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the path of the destroyer. David Guzik says here, there are three questions for everyone to ask ourselves about uh, a trial or test that we go through. The first one is, do I allow God to test my heart? Can I be corrected? Will I listen to others when they tell me that I may be wrong? I'll, I'll list those three again. Uh, David Guzik wrote this. Pastor Guzik said this. Do I allow God to test my heart? Can I be corrected? Well, I listen to others when they tell me that I may be wrong. You know, so David, when he says, you have tested my heart, you have visited me in the night, you know, uh, for us, it's important to understand that trials and tests are going to come. They're going to come. David is saying, you know, when he's crying out to the Lord, he says that you've, trusted, you've tested me and you found nothing. I've purposed him uh, that my mouth should not transgress, that the words of his mouth are not going to transgress, that he's not um, doing things that are wrong, whatever that may be, that he's not saying things. Now, uh, back in that day, a lot of people would say things like Absalom did when he was trying to take over the kingdom. Well, you know, if only I could fix this. And, and he would he won people by his words, crafty words, take, you know, bringing them in. Hey, you know what? Don't worry about bringing that today. Here, I, you know, maybe I can help. What can I do? And he's winning people to himself. He's deceiving them. And he's bringing them there. David, it wasn't like that. And what David's saying here is, you've tried me and have found nothing. I purpose that my mouth shall not, not transgress concerning the works of men. By the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. So 
just understanding that the trials that he's going through, he knew that he didn't do anything wrong, but uh, that he can he can go to the Lord and say, God, you you know that what I'm facing here, um, that that I'm I'm innocent of what's what's happening, and uh, understand that we too should seek Him uh, throughout our tests and our trials and trust in Him, and uh, that He'll be with us and He'll carry us through those things. You know, when the when the Lord is, um, the Lord loves to show Himself strong on our behalf. You know, uh, when we're weak, he loves to show himself strong on our behalf, right? And uh, that's the scripture tells us that, you know, that that we can trust, knowing that's exactly where the Lord wants us. You know, in a place of 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 weakness and humility, that we can come there because that's when he can use us when we realize that we can't do anything on our own strength. You know, it's important to understand that 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 we. Uh, in the middle of those trials that we we understand who God is and that we wouldn't cry out to him as though he's sinning against us. You did this. You put me you know, into this and and uh, you know where are you now? You know in that in that desperation uh, we can convince ourselves, well it's just me. I got to get through this. God's not listening. You know understand that he very much is and that you know trials work out uh, to to benefit us and and uh, you know the Lord's going to you know carry us through and and we need to be ensuring that our hearts are steadfast on Him and, and relying upon Him and not our own strength you know in the midst of a trial when we see David saying here I know that you've tested my heart and you know that 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 I there there's nothing uh, there that I, I've done wrong you know we shouldn't be uh, we should be staying on God's path and, and continuing to follow him, uh, even in the midst of a trial. Proverbs uh, fourteen twelve says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end, uh, its end is the way of death. You know, when understanding, when uh, David is writing here, he says, Concerning the works of men by the words of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. You know, by the words of God's lips, God's words, we're preserving him and uh, keeping him from the path of the of the of the destroyer. Just understanding that, you know, there are uh, those uh, that we will encounter in our lives, and we may have been those people uh, that were stumbling blocks to people that were uh, being used as tools for the destroyer. Understanding that that uh, you know there we were once on a path that seemed right to us, but its end was destruction, and the Lord pulled us out of that. Just understanding that that we can deceive ourselves, or we have lived that life being deceived and believing that, hey, I'm doing my own thing. God, you know, knows my heart, knows things. But just to understand, you know, there there is a path that that uh, where where it's talking about the paths of the destroyer. They don't always seem to be, uh, you know, like death, danger ahead. It usually looks pleasant. You know, hey, this looks good. You know, why don't I do this? You know, and then and then there's the path of, of, of that understanding our our knowledge of the word and our submission to it are so key to us avoiding going down that path. Wait, I know that's that's tempting me right now. I can't go down that path of the destroyer because there's only destruction at the end of it. Just understanding those things and and hiding the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against him. Right. That I've, I've, your word, I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And, you know that the, those those things there to understand, uh, to, just to to stay on the path of the Lord. They were, you know, what this is talking about in verse four, you know, the paths of the destroyer. We would be much better to trust in in His path. Psalm one nineteen verse one hundred five, familiar one. Uh, it, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, there's a path of the destroyer. I'd rather walk on the, the path of the Lord, understanding the Lord's going to guide me wherever I need to go. It might be super dark around me, but I know I've got the light in front of me showing me where I need to take my next step in the way of the Lord. And then the next step in the way of the Lord. And then that, his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Everything else is going to be confusion, darkness, chaos. But his word leads us on the path of the Lord. You know, our enemy and circumstances may leave us questioning, you know, but but our heart needs to be, remain steadfast on the Lord, trusting and seeking him, understanding that as we follow him and we're obedient to his word, we're going to be okay. 
it's when we stray, when we start going off that path, that's when things go wrong. Verse 5, uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, uh, for you will hear me. O God, incline your ear to me and hear my speech. You know, David's asking God to be his strength, to give him a steady foot, to walk with him. I watched a, a clip this uh, this week of a of a guy walking. They call it a tightrope. It wasn't tight at all. It was like this big bending rope between two massive buildings. This guy's hooked to the rope, thankfully. When I see somebody's not, and I know it's death or make it across, I almost can't watch it. There's too much stress there. This guy was at least clipped, so if he fell, you know, but he's walking, and he's got no balance stick. He's literally just doing this. Between building, and it wasn't like, you know, uh, 10 feet across. It was like this gate, this gaping hole, whatever it was, this huge, you know, uh, space in between these two buildings. And this, this rope's going down, and it's connecting to the other one. And I'm watching him do it, and he's, he's doing this, and he's just every step. Just calmly, just keeping himself. When he gets to the end of it, you know, I'm watching like this abbreviated clip of it, you know, maybe 20, 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, watching it, just understanding that the narrow path that guy is on. If we consider that for our faith, that, that we, as we're walking with the Lord, there's that we should not consider stepping to the left or right because it can lead to death, spiritual death for us, physical death for us. Unfortunately, we've seen that happen in this congregation. We've lost people that have started down that road and then lost their lives. Very tragic end for them. We've seen others leave and forsake and they just don't walk with the Lord anymore. And their life has fallen apart. And you know, there, there's never, ever, ever, there's, there's not one case where abandoning our relationship with the Lord, has it's ever good for anybody. Just to ask him to just uphold my steps in your paths. I love that. Uh, he's asking the Lord to be the one that upholds those steps. Not in my might, in my skill, in all those things. It's crying out, asking God that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you. You will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. He's asking for that. Proverbs 4, verses 23 through 27 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. And let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. I'm going to read that one more time. Proverbs 4, verses 23 through 27. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from your, you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. That's powerful. Solomon wrote that. Solomon, the son of David. <laughs> Do you think they had some serious conversations? Of course they did. You know, Solomon's wisdom, we know he asked when the Lord asked, you know, what do you desire? He said, wisdom. You know, and the Lord gave him that wisdom. You know, such such wisdom that people were coming, you know, the queens coming to see him, to to hear of him and to acquire of him. Like, tell me more. Tell me what just seeking that wisdom, you know, and, and, and that's what Solomon wanted. If you consider here, put away a deceitful mouth. Remember, David was talking about the fact that, you know, that this prayer wasn't being offered from deceitful lips. You know, and put perverse lips far from you. That's that's important for our lives, that we're not partaking in stupid jokes. You know, those things. You know, it's not nothing that should be entertained by the Christian. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. You know, and then it's, and then ponder the path of your feet. 
just think about where you're walking. Remember I talked about that guy on the, the balance, we'll call it the, the tightrope, we'll call it that because it's the best way to think of it. But, you know, let all your weight, I like that. Ponder the path of your feet, let all your ways be established. For the Christian, once we know the Lord and we're walking with him, our ways should be established. We shouldn't have that rocky step. At, yes, maybe for a little while when we're when we're new Christians, we're gonna go. Whoa, wait a minute! This the, this thing I gotta get my feet under me. You know, I gotta be able to walk. But eventually, we should be established in what we're doing and walking with the Lord. There should be strength in our walk, right? Remember, um, uh, Oliver sent me a song recently. He's like, "Hey, what do you, what do you think of this song?" And I'm like. It's good, you know. It's a cool song. I don't like how it's crying out to the church. Um, the the song is um, "O come, O O come, ye unfaithful." O come. So there's that song. O come, all you faithful. Somebody put a spin on it, and uh, you know it's crying out to those who are lost and everything. But for within the church, it, we we should be being established in our walk with the Lord. There shouldn't be, a, as, as we're walking with the Lord long term, it shouldn't be the same constant battle for us. There should be progress in our relationship with the Lord, that we stand strong. You know, how many times the, you know, the, the scriptures say stand fast, you know, and, and those things. We shouldn't have uh, uneven um, footing as we walk with the Lord. That, that should go away pretty quickly in our lives. It might take longer for others, but if we are, are, are constantly in the same battle from the day we get saved to 25 years later, consider how we're approaching this. Don't give up. By all means, do, don't give up. So if we're ministering to somebody and this is where they're at, they're constantly at the same battle, don't give up. But consider, you know, it's, it's not the Lord that's, that's not providing enough for us. It's how much of, the Lord, of, of us does the Lord have? So when it says here, ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established, let all your ways be established, that our ways would be established, that we're not, you know, going, being tossed to and fro, right? Where, oh, you know, any, any wind, anything happening in our life just sends us way off. We need to be able to grow in our, in our faith and be strong in our faith, understanding that our strength comes from the Lord and that we need to, uh, we need to be pouring into our faith that we would study the Bible by ourselves when we've got time to sit down and to feed our soul. If the only time we're being fed is at church, we're not, our feet aren't going to be established. Our path isn't going to be established. We're going to be, uh, you know, each, you know, go, it'd be like eating once a week. You know, our bodies are going to be emaciated. And we don't have what we need. You know, we have to be feeding ourselves the word of God. And as we do, our, our, our heart has to be changed by that. You know, if we're constantly feeding and we're constantly seeking the Lord and just giving up ourselves and asking the Lord to fill us with his spirit and to, and to build us, he's going to do it. So when, when he says in verse 5, uphold my steps in your path, that my footsteps may not sleep, uh, may not slip. Then we go to what his son wrote in Proverbs 4, understanding that, you know, our, our ways should be established. We should be able to stand at some point. And then move forward in our faith and not stay back here at that point where we're just starting to learn how to walk. Right? Because if a baby, a baby never learns how to walk, you know, they're five years old and still can't walk, there's something wrong. It should be, we should look at that the same way in our Christian lives. We can't settle for just, you know what? I'm just going to, I remember, you know, with my kids, there was that point where, you know, they're, they're learning to walk. And it's such a precious moment. Anytime any of us have ever seen a kid, doesn't even have to be our kid. It can be any kid when you see that they're learning how to walk and just one step drop. <laughs> then they get a little bit more. Okay, two steps. Okay, I'm getting scared. Drop, you know, or, you know, for, for my oldest daughter, Maddie, it was our neighbor coming into our house and Maddie didn't like other people, <laughs> you know, for the first year of her life. It was pretty much us that could hold her, you know, maybe like my mom or dad or my, uh, one of my brothers or sisters or something, but it was, she wasn't like a going to every, but she wasn't one of those kids. She's like, mm -mm, I don't know you stay away from me. She took that first step really quick when our neighbor walked in the door at our house, when our neighbor walks in, <laughs> my, 
whoop, <laughs> takes that step, um, falls right into our arms. Yep, <laughs> she took that step. That was a precious moment. But if she stayed in that, that, that state for the rest of her life that she couldn't walk, we've got something wrong there. There's something medically wrong. The same is true for our spiritual life. When he says, uphold my steps, that my feet may not slip, we should be walking. And as we're walking, we're trusting the Lord that our feet aren't going to slip. Understanding that sometimes we pick to walk. We, uh, we were just talking, you know, uh, uh, with the, I was just talking with the mans before this. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Jerry and Susan, they were driving, you know, up from uh, New Hampshire on uh, um, Friday. Friday, and I may have heard of the the uh, car crash that took someone's life. Um, and they just said on the road they couldn't figure out why people were like driving, uh, kind of driving up the hill on the interstate. Like, what are they doing? They're down there hot dogging or whatever. And uh, then uh, you know, Jerry, as he tried to move over, it, it he's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, you feel that that black ice. You know, that's there's sometimes that surprise there. You know, we just uh, just the expectation that we're ready in our spiritual walk, that we want the Lord to keep us. We don't we don't want to be enticed and to follow down that path. I know I've been on verse five for a while, um, but uh, it's important for us to understand. Verse seven. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O you who save those who trust in you. Uh, from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hid me, uh, hide me under the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who oppress me, from my deadly enemies who surround me. Okay, so David's not just talking about, hey, somebody said something and it hurt my feelings. You know, this these are these people are trying to they they want <laughs> sorry, but you know that that that. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that mindset of you know what I, I I'm just uh, I'm gonna get laughy here and I don't want to but you know uh, you know David's uh, you know calling out to, for God's mercy asking God uh, for His marvelous loving kindness. You know we all want God's mercy, marvelous that we can rest in Him. You know knowing that when we cry out to the Lord, you know His marvel marvelous loving kindness is what we want. Oh, you who save those who trust in you. You know, David, David, instead of saying, oh, God, oh, God, he's saying that, that, that he's addressing God as the one that saves those who trust in him. Keep your eye fixed on me where he says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Don't look away from me. Let, let me be the one you need to focus on. David's asking for God's complete attention and uh, protection, you know, and in, in that God would remain fixed, his, his eyes fixed on him throughout the whole situation. And he says, hide me under the shadow of your wings. We looked at this briefly in a, in a past psalm. We kind of referenced this. But, you know, David is trusting in the Lord's deliverance. That's what he's doing. You know, he's he's got a real threat on his life. And understanding that for us, you know, in, in our circumstance, whatever we are, we're going through, that we can. Th this is written for a reason. You know, all scripture is inspired by God. We, we understand that, that the Lord inspired men to write this. So when David's going through this and he's writing it down, it's so that we can read it and we can benefit from it. You know, thanks, thanks David, for enduring all these things. But just understanding this man, that, that, um, because when we have circumstances that, that come into our lives, whatever they are, health issues or financial issues, whatever it is, we may go, well, maybe God is, you know, uh, he's, he's mad at me for something. Maybe I, I need to confess something or somebody else is saying that. You know, and, and we get to that point, just understand that sometimes we might be going through something so that somebody else can see a Christian going through it or another Christian can see and, and that we can we might be able to minister to one another and, and speak to one another. You know, sometimes we do bring the hardships on uh, as a result uh, of, of rebellion in our lives. And, you know, it's not that God has cast us away forever, but he lets us go through that. You, you, you probably know what I mean. You know, for us, you know, God let us go through it, and then we learn the lesson on the other side of it. You know, he often uses hardship to correct us. Okay, you want the freedom? Go out and get it. Oh, you don't like that sting? You know, my, my dog, my dog chasing down uh, bees. <laughs> you know, that's exactly, uh, it's the same thing for us. You know, there's a song um, uh, by a band called Thrice called Black Honey. 
And, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, I keep swinging my hand through a swarm of bees because I want the honey on my table. I'm going to go through and I'm going to do what I want. It's going to hurt, but I'm going to I'm going to be able to consume what I want in my life. And as he's writing the song, he's talking about how it's affecting his life. And then he starts how it starts talking about how it's stinging his friends and his family. You know, that that his sin, what he's doing wrong, uh, that that thing was so precious to him that hurt him is now affecting everybody else around him. And and it's a good song. You know, it's a rock song. Just uh, but uh, be prepared. Christian band uh, wrote it, but it, it's called Black Honey. And it's uh, that that he's talking about that sinful desire within ourselves to, to go after what we know we shouldn't and that we're going to get stung by it in the end. I watched my dog you know, pop up real quick. You found a bee, didn't you? <laughs> you know, you try you know, all you can. And, uh, you know, if they don't, they step on it on the, with their foot, you know, if they're trying to smush it, you know, which he does too, you know, you're going to learn that way too. And you'll be hopping on three legs. Not going to like that either. You know, it's important for us to understand the things around us. We can learn from those things, you know, the things in our lives, you know, whether it's dogs, people, whatever it is. But understand that the, the circumstances that we can go through, that when the Lord just allows us to go through them and experience a hardship, you know, Hebrews tells us that he whom he loves, he chastens. That we're going to experience those things. If we're not being chastened and we're still doing those things, we're in a very, very dangerous spot in our lives. Extremely dangerous. Where we're just, it's, it seems like we're not, you know, our conscience is, um, uh, we're ignore, we've ignored it so much that we're numb to what the Spirit is saying to us. Very, very bad place to be. Just look at the scripture. You stiff-necked and hard of heart, right? When Stephen is, is, is calling out uh, those religious leaders, like, you, you, you do always resist the Holy Spirit, right? That's what, what Stephen said in Acts 7, right? And uh, right before he gets killed, but he calls them out. He's like, you killed all the prophets that came. And you're saying, well, you know, when's God going to do anything? Well, when God does send a prophet, you kill him, you know? And, and, and when he says that, you stiff neck and heart of hearts, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. You know, may that not be said of us as Christians, that we would walk, uh, not settle for the sin that's all around us, understanding, no, you know what? That's a bee that's going to sting me, and I'm going to I'm going to have that that bad result that I don't want in our lives. If we're still dealing with conviction, that's the Holy Spirit still calling out for repentance, um, and uh, God is willing to grant that repentance. You know, so if we know those around us, if it's us struggling with something, just give it to the Lord. If we know a brother or sister that's dealing with it, bring them right here and say, Hey, let's look at Psalm 17. And then let's look at Proverbs and uh, and understand what the, what the Lord has to say to us in you know, Proverbs four, uh, and and just show them, and be able to to build one another up. Verse ten, <clears throat> they have closed up their fat hearts with their mouths; they speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes crouching down to the earth, as a lion is eager to tear his prey, as a and like a young lion lurking in secret places, you know, the, their enemy was, was full of pride, that fat heart, I'm fat in my heart. I'm, I'm prideful. You know, Proverbs uh, three thirty four says, surely this, he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. You know, God, we want God's grace. You know, those are the scornful that are, um, that are full of pride and, you know, big mouths and, Everything, you know, that we, we understand that the Lord is going to deal with them. But we want, you know, but he gives grace to the humble. So David's facing a real enemy and the one that's ready to destroy his life. And uh, he's he is so much so that he says he, he likens them to uh, a lion that's crouching, eager to tear his prey. You know, um, I was I was uh, speaking with somebody. I can't remember uh, where I was, whether I was at maybe work or might have been here. Um, I was having a discussion with them. Uh, it was at work and um, it was uh, a discussion about birds. And I remember being at when I worked at the base, there was a uh, snow owl that uh, that landed on top of, of uh, the building I, walk, I I was working in. Some people that were having a break outside, uh, they were smoking outside. They came in and I'm like, hey, there's a snow outside. You know, come, come check it out. So we go outside and, and it's, there it is. And I've got pictures of it and everything. I'm like, oh, that thing's awesome. Later on in the day, in the day 
a guy from Medical Squadrons having a conversation with somebody. He's like, you can never guess what we saw. It was a snow owl, and this crow wouldn't leave it alone. So the snow owl grabs it, rips it in half. <laughs> just, just, you know what? I've had enough of you. Rip, you know? Just just like that. That, that. that thing would be ripped apart, you know? That that thing that's stronger, you know, would, would rip it in half. And just all rip, rip, you know? just ripped it right in half. And that was it. You know, just understanding that, you know, when, when the scripture says that, that our enemy is, is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, David was dealing with, with somebody who's trying to take his life. And he's saying, you know, that, that, that type of person that's just waiting, just wants to rip me apart. You know, lurking there in secret, it says, you know, crouching, waiting to attack. You know, he brings it to the Lord. You know, that's just, he knows where his help comes from, right? You know, my help comes from you. I know where my help comes from. You know, and, and, and he's able to say that. Verse 13, arise, O Lord, confront him and cast him down. Deliver my life from the wicked with, with your sword. You know, it's, it's God that we need to trust in for deliverance from these battles. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. Jeremiah, uh, the Lord is, is speaking to Jeremiah, and uh, he says, uh, to tell Jeremiah, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. That's an important one for us to know as Christians. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but in those tough times, are where I grow and I'm clinging to the Lord. If in those tough times, rather than going to the Lord, I go to a person or I go to a drug or I go to a drink or I go to pornography or I go to uh, whatever it might be. If I go to anything other than the Lord to minister to me, to help me, look what it says. A curse is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. That our strength would come from the Lord, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not uh, shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which uh, which is not inhabited. That's not a place for a shrub to be in the desert and salt. There's absolutely no sustenance. There's no water to sustain that thing. Look at verse 7. Blessed is the man who comes to the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread, spreads, out, spreads out its roots uh, by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Sound a lot like Psalm 1 to you? Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, uh, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf shall not wither. You know, there's that planted, just the trust that comes, uh, the, sorry, the blessings that come in trusting in the Lord. That that's where the nourishment comes from. Anybody else who trusts in anything other than the Lord, that the Christian whose whose heart is fixed on anything Oh, you know, I don't really need God. I explained to you guys the, the car crash in, in Italy when I walked up. Hey, can I, can I pray for you guys? You guys look pretty hurt. No, we're good. We're good. You don't need to pray. You just, you know, just got a couple of cuts on our head. You were probably doing 90 miles an hour and flipped over. You just at least need to pray to repent, you know, and God just, you know, whatever it was. But uh, that that mindset to just come to the Lord when things are on fire, you know, uh, we, we should, that shouldn't be of, uh, yes, we should, but that we shouldn't keep getting to that point where things are just in utter chaos. Remember, we were talking about this earlier, crisis to crisis to crisis. No, we should have an established path, right? As we learn from Proverbs 4, that our feet should be set and that we should be walking toward the Lord. Yes, things are going to come up and, and test us and, and, and uh, give us a hard time every now and then. But uh, the important thing for us is to set our eyes on the Lord. That, like, like it said in Proverbs, that our eyes are set forward and, and straight ahead, not going to the left or right. Understanding that our strength can't be found in man and it can't be in a relationship. You know, we can't go, oh, well, things are bad. I'm going to go to the relationship. I'm going to forsake the Lord. How oftentimes have we seen that here? 
right? Things get things get bad and, and people are here, things settle down a little bit, gone again, and they're off in the relationship again. And we don't see them again for years and they come back. You know, the, we, we can't do that as Christians. We have to be established in the Lord and uh, setting our eyes upon him. Verse 14, with your hand, uh, with your hand from men, O Lord, from men uh, of the world who have their portion in this life and whose belly you fill uh, with your hidden treasure, they are satisfied with children and leave the rest of the possession for their babes. You know, these, these men whose hearts are set on self, uh, self-indulgence. And uh, they're, uh, whatever they have, whose God is their belly, if we want to look at it that way. Uh, you know, God in his mercy, even blessing these people, that, that, that it says here that uh, in whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure. You know, the Lord still blesses those that are, are, are wicked. They're just not thankful. They're not grateful for those, uh, those things. That was us at one point. You know, walking in our own flesh and doing our own thing. The Lord still blessed us with, with good things. In his grace and mercy, he still blessed us. But if their focus is only on the earthly thing that they can get, uh, they're in a bad place. Just, hey, this is all, all I've got, you know. And uh, it, with, their, with their heart being set only on what's offered to them in this world, that's the best they're ever going to get. You know, for us, this world's the worst it's ever going to get for us. Because after this, because of God's grace and mercy, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and our profession of faith in him, this is as bad as it gets. The chaos, the stupidity of what we can read and what we can talk about uh, that's, that's going on, the craziness of this world is as bad as it gets. We have hope in front of us. Verse 15, as for me, I will seek your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. I love that approach, that, that David ends this cry to the Lord with, hey, I'm going through this. I need you to help me through this. This is what my enemy's doing. This is everything. And, and this is what their heart is set on, all the, the earthly things and uh, what they can possess and what they can eat and all those things. As for me, I'm going to, what he says here, um, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I will see your face. That David knows there was something greater ahead of him. Uh, I, will, I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. You know, when I'm gone and I awake, when I come into your presence, I'm going to be satisfied. Yeah, as for me, he says, you know, they can do what they want. I know the right path, uh, and I'm going to seek the Lord is what David is declaring here with my whole heart. You know, we're, we're called to follow the Lord with, uh, you know, uh, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not half of it, not three quarters, not, hey, 90, 10. You know, this is a pretty good deal, right? I can give you this much and, you know, of my heart and just keep a little bit back, and you'll be satisfied with that, Lord, right? No, he wants everything. He wants our whole heart. Probably sounds familiar, Joshua 24, verse 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Me and my house. You know, that's, man, uh, a uh, wonderful couple over in Italy uh, painted a picture for us. And and uh, the, the lady painted a picture. We still have it. Uh, and she wrote that verse on there. Jen and I were so blessed by it. As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We still have that. And that was from 20 years ago. When we were leaving, that was our, our going away present. You know, she painted a It means so much to us. You know, we still have that. Now. That'll never get thrown away. No, hopefully that, that's a blessing to from generation to generation. Hey, you know what? A lady, that, and her and her husband were missionaries, and uh, she just wanted to bless us when uh, we were moving to Washington State from Italy. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Understand, you know, that, that as we say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And then as we're taking the, the uh, exhortation from Paul, that we would be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That us as Christians are moving forward, not just surviving. You know, sometimes in life we may have to get to that point. Our relationship with the Lord should always be moving forward, though. If it's not, we're falling back or we're standing still. It's because of us. There's some sort of insincerity in our hearts that needs to be 
brought to the Lord and asked to be changed. You know, David was set on eternity, and, and he's saying, you know, that you know that this life wasn't all that he had to look forward to, and you know, you know, like his enemies that he's talking about, they're solely focused on the here and now. You know, the belly, you know, filling their bellies, and you know, getting what they can, and you know, passing that along or whatever. But he's talking about being awake. When I awake in your likeness. You know, at the end of my life, and you know, and, and for the Christian, there's hope for us. You know, our our wretchedness isn't the, the best of, you know, what we have to look forward to. Isn't that a, a blessing that we don't have to look forward and go, yeah, my wretchedness is going to follow me to heaven. No, at the end of this, this is all done. You know, the wretched, we are wretched sinners. We are sinners. We are sinful beings that we, there's the constant call to you know, participate in sin, whatever it may be, reject it. Just reject No matter how strong that, that's, whatever it is, if you need to call somebody and say, I'm dealing with this, can you come to my house so that I don't do this? Be that person or call that person, whatever it is, that we not play around with sin, that we that we've not let it come into, have accountability, have somebody to pray with us right then. You know, remove it, you know, just you know, how serious is sin? What did Jesus say? You know, if your eye causes you to sin, treat it so seriously that you'd gouge your own eye out, cast it from you or chop your hand off to keep you from doing it. That sin offends God and it ruins our life. You know, David saying, no, as for me and uh, well, he didn't say as for me, as for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your presence. So Dave knew that David, Dave, <laughs> David knew that true satisfaction in life came from a life that's poured out to the Lord. And then as we pour our, our life is poured out, he fills us with his Holy spirit and gives us, uh, you know, changes us into the image of his son. Know that, that as we just pour it all out, give it to the Lord, he's taking it saying, yep, I'll take that. I'll take that. Here's more of me. Just that constant. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to flush that out of you. You know, that's what we want in our life. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we we thank you for your word that you that you uh, show us more of your faithfulness toward us. And you show us the the danger in following ourselves. Thank you that we can trust in you. And just bring everything to you and know that you our loving father. Hear there are cries that you're listening and that you work on our behalf. Lord, help us to, as David was, was writing here, just to be focused on eternity. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Lord, to be in your presence is what we look forward to. Keep us, strengthen us, Lord, that we would walk, that our path would be established. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be settling for, uh, for you know, a, a weak walk or not being able to move forward, that we would trust in you and just relinquish whatever it is we need to, to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Be our strength. Amen.